this series about religion to talk about money. But the thing is, real money is a real litmus test to how real our religion is. Because it reveals our hearts, doesn't it? Raise your hand if you like money. It's okay, go ahead. We all like money, all right? Now, raise your hand if you love money. Ooh, yeah, it's a little more uncomfortable, isn't it? Raise your hand if you worship money. Ow. Do you know the word worship comes from an old English word, worth-ship. Where do we place our worth? We put a lot of worth-ship in our money, don't we? This reading from James was pretty harsh, wasn't it? Let's take a listen again. James writes, Come now, you rich, weep and wail over your impending miseries. Your wealth has rotted away, your clothes have become moth-eaten, your gold and silver have corroded, and that corrosion will be a testimony against you. It will devour your flesh like a fire. You have stored up treasure for the last days. Behold, the wages you withheld from the workers who harvested your fields are crying aloud, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on earth in luxury and pleasure. You have fattened your hearts for the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the righteous one. He offers you no resistance. Ouch! Now please don't anybody here say, oh, but I'm not rich, so this doesn't really refer to me. I mean, come on. We Americans, compared to the rest of the world, we are all, one way or the other, we are like all rolling in it. So to boil it down, James is essentially, I think, telling us two things. First of all, remember how Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if we're putting our worth into, if we're putting our treasure into that which is rotten and ratty and rusty, What's going to happen to our hearts? They're going to become rotten and ratty and rusty. Or to put it another way, says James, if all we want to do is live a life of luxury, if we just want to gorge ourselves, if we want to hedonistically indulge our every desire and every pleasure, then our hearts are going to get fat. I think we all know a fat heart's not probably a good thing. In fact, that's what you do with cattle. You fatten them up before the slaughter. We're fattening our own hearts, says James. And the slaughter is an Old Testament way of talking about Judgment Day. We're fattening our hearts for Judgment Day, for the slaughter. Second, James says something to this effect. We love things and we use people. And in fact, we tend to use people to get the things that we love. And it should be the other way, and we know that. We should love people and use things, and in fact, use things in order to love people. But James pushes it even further. He says, if the rich are just simply getting rich on the backs of the poor because we're depriving, we're withholding from them, we're not sharing what we have with them, then you are murdering the righteous one, he says. Murder? But if you are depriving people of what they need, simple things in order to live, it's the same as murder. It's not what you did, it's what you didn't do. 
And the righteous one, well, remember what Jesus said, if you didn't do it for these, then you didn't do it for me. So if we are withholding what people need to live, then we are murdering them. And if we murder them, we are murdering the righteous one. We're murdering Jesus. Oh, See, James is not just trying to heap a bunch of guilt on us because we're wealthy. No, 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 no. The key is this first verse that he started with. Come now, you rich, weep and wail over your impending miseries. He is calling us to howling, heartfelt repentance. He's calling us to change now while we still have time. And if you think James is a little bit over the top with this, let's go to the gospel reading because Jesus seems to be even more extreme, more graphic, telling us that, well, if it's going to keep you out of heaven, you're better off cutting off your hand or your foot or gouging out your eye. But Jesus does not want us literally to mutilate ourselves. This is hyperbole. But James and Jesus are sort of driving at the same point. If anything... If it's your hand, your foot, your eye, your money, your possessions, if anything is going to keep you out of heaven, then you would be better off without it. But you know what would be best? If you would use your hands and your feet and your eyes and your money and your possessions to love God and to love others. So I want to suggest something simple to all of us today. Simple, something that's, I think, simple, but it can be quite profound. It can be life-changing. Every time you spend money, I want to encourage you to say this prayer. It's not my money, Lord. It's yours. Go ahead and say that with me, if you would, please. It's not my money, Lord. It's yours. You can say the same thing about your body. It's not my body, Lord. It's yours. You could say that about everything. It's not mine, Lord. It's yours. Because everything is gift. Everything is from him. If you take what I'm saying seriously and you put this into practice and you start praying this prayer, watch for a shift in your life. See, if it's my money, then this homily is going to make me rather defensive, right? Don't you tell me what to do with my money. If it's the Lord's money, it's going to put me on the offensive, what can I do with my money? What can I do with the Lord's money? What's he going to do with it? If it's my money, then I'm going to be pretty protective of it because, well, you know, I've got college now to pay for. Now I've got a wedding I've got to pay for. And, and oh, oh, maybe, or I'm thinking about retirement or, or health care costs. You never know if there's going to be enough for it. I, I better just hang on to what I've got. I better be protective. But if it's the Lord's money, then I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to trust. You know what? The Lord has always and will always provide for me. So I'm going to right now help the poor and the hungry and the needy. If it's my money, I'm going to be greedy. Because I've got to tell you what, all of my wants and all of my desires, there is not enough money in the world for everything that I want. But if it's the Lord's money, then I'm going to be generous. Because again, I trust that He's going to take care of all of my needs, and in fact, he's also going to provide for some of my wants. You know what our real problem is? We think that God is like us. 
And we tend to be a bit greedy. And so we think God is greedy. He always wants more for me. More and more and more. God is never satisfied. No. No. Our God is so generous. He is so generous. Amen? Amen. He's so generous. Honestly, check your heart. If you tend to look at God and think, well, he's kind of stingy, then you need to take some time and pray in front of the crucifix and see that God is not stingy. St. Paul puts it this way in Romans 8. He who did not spare his son, his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not graciously give us all things? Here is the treasure of our Father's heart, and he gave it for us. The rest of it, and God gives us so much more, but the rest of it is just a bunch of chump change compared to the worth and the value of his only son. So try it this week. Just try it out. Whenever you spend money this week, when it comes time to pay, pray. It's not my money, Lord. It's yours. I don't care if it's cash or check or credit card or Apple Pay or online payment, whatever. It's not my money, Lord. It's yours. It's probably going to change then the priorities of your, of your life. You'll ask yourself, you know, should I really be spending the Lord's money on this? <laughs> but more than that, it's going to change your heart. Like when we take the offering in a moment, there won't be a sense of loss. Like, oh, I could have spent that on whatever but instead a sense of gain. I wonder what God's going to do with this. When you give to the poor and the needy and the hungry, you get to jump into your Father's heart. You get to share in His joy because you know you are part of His fatherly provision for people's lives. And even when you spend money on yourself, maybe it's a need, you know, it's the mortgage or the car payment or groceries or whatever. Or maybe it's even spending some money on something you enjoy. Dinner out this afternoon with your spouse or your family or with a b- bunch of friends. When you come to pay, pray, it's not my money, Lord. It's yours. And see what it does in your heart. I think what it does is it teaches us once again, no, I really can trust God. He provides for all of my needs and even some of my wants. And it'll make you thankful. Oh, Lord, thank you for this. Whatever you're spending the money on. Thank you, Lord, for this. You know what we call it when we trust God and when we give him thanks? Worship. Then our worth-ship is in him. And that is religion. 